so if we're being real, we would admit that a lot of us millennials have succumbed to the mindset that tells us that we have to be crazy busy in order to be productive and successful. Like we do a lot. And although this can equate to us having a lot to offer, we are also experiencing a lot of burnout and we're stressed out. So collectively, And for the greater good of society, it's good. What we're doing, it works out. But on a singular level, and for us individually, it's tiring and it's draining. And so this exhaustion and ways to combat it, that's what we're going to talk about today. So make sure you keep listening. You're listening to The Traditional Millennial with Brittany Dotson, where conventional meets contemporary and faith fills the gaps. So not too long ago, I I was sitting at home in the bed and the spirit came over me and convicted me about taking on too many things. The Lord spoke to me and he put in my heart the distinction between doing what I want to do versus doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I was convicted to examine if these two things, what I want to do and what I'm supposed to do, were aligned. You know, now in an age of social media, we might as well face the music that gone are the days where what people do is hidden from the world as a whole. Like we can presumably monitor everyone's progress just by scrolling on an app, which then it turns into us taking a deep dive into our own lives to see if we're doing things the right way and for enough people. We are comparing and competing, and sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes we we are unknowingly asking ourselves, how can I do something that's greater that, than what they're doing in a way that'll draw more people's attention? And we're not always doing it with the strict intent to top someone else. We're doing it because the mindset of society says, give us the next big thing. But this is where we are, and we have to be able to discern and navigate seeing all of these things while not getting caught up in trying to mimic them, trying to top them by coming up with the next big new thing or allowing what we see to direct what we do and how we do it. But being influenced by this pressure, that's a part of what keeps us busy. It's real. It keeps us consumed with things, some of which we don't even need to be doing. And then, of course, the things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing, they leave us dissatisfied. And the reason we aren't satisfied is because we're doing the wrong things. And even if they are good things, they may not be God things, which is then going to lead us to keep doing things in order to find fulfillment that we'll only find by doing what we're supposed to be doing anyway. So I, I want us to look at an example. We, we had a Sunday school lesson about this and, and I thought it was very interesting and, and it really underscored what we're talking about today. So when Saul was king, Samuel came to him on, on one occasion and he told Saul that the Lord was instructing him to destroy the Amalekites. So Saul was to spare no one and nothing. But Saul, with his disobedient self, he spared the king, Agag, and he spared the best of the sheep, the calves, the lambs, and the oxen, instead of being obedient to God. And then he had the nerve to justify it by telling Samuel that they kept those things to sacrifice them to God. So this is a prime example to us of how disobedience to what God wants us to do, even if we think it's the right thing to do or a good thing to do, that's still wrong. And it also shows us how God doesn't approve what he doesn't give. 
So if he didn't give it to you for you to do, he isn't going to accept what you're doing. And even with us wanting to do all of these good things that keep us busy, our motive still has to be called into question, just like Saul's did. And if God isn't telling us to do something, then are we really doing what we're doing with the right heart? Or do we have some sort of underlying selfish ambition that's tied to our busyness? Y'all know that Jesus is our ultimate example. And and he shows us an example of what fulfillment looks like when we do what the father has instructed us to do. So I don't know if y'all remember when Jesus and the Samaritan woman were at the well. After he was done encountering her, he went back to his disciples and they were trying to get him to eat. And he said to them, I I have food to eat, but the food I have to eat, y'all don't know about. And so they pressed again and he said that his food is to do the will of the one who sent him and to accomplish his work, which is what he did for the woman. Jesus's sustenance and his satisfaction and his means of fullness came from doing God's work. And that's exactly what our lives should model. Not trying to be satisfied by being busy, but being satisfied by pleasing God and doing his will. So so if we're not doing this, sometimes what happens is us being busy and successful in our efforts, but not even being able to celebrate those moments because we still feel like we failed. And we can still feel like failures because we aren't doing what we're supposed to do. The results say success, but our minds say failure. The people say you did good, but our hearts say you didn't do enough. And that's because our success, the pats on the back, and the you did goods weren't from God. And those who can't fill us can't satisfy us, even with the validation of our efforts that they offer us. We are limited in our ability to give only what God can give. That's why we are constantly trying to measure up to people and trying to make them happy and trying to please them. And just like you're trying to please all of these people on social media or at your church or in your community, someone out there is trying to please you. We don't even realize the indirect pressure we put on someone else by making them feel like they have to keep offering us something in order to feel satisfied within themselves. But if we all would just seek to please God and do the Lord's work, then we'd all be in a place of gratitude and contentment and we'd all be less stressed out and we would be getting and giving what we need to get and give. You know, as much as we like to think that we have to be influencing a lot of people to be effective, that is not true. It does not take a crowd to co-sign your worth, to co-sign the value of your words, or to co-sign the posture of your heart. And it's funny how we throw all of these matter of facts out there and these definitives out there about how we'll be if we were to be in a certain position or a certain situation when we don't even know where we'll be in the next 10 minutes. God not only knows where we'll be when we get to where he needs us to be, but he knows where our hearts will be if we get there too soon. So we can say that we'll act the same if we were in front of 5,000 people as we would five people, but God knows we'll act in front of 5,000 people like we were in front of 5 million people. So God going to tell you to go sit your butt down because you ain't ready. So we have to stop putting ourselves, even in our minds, in places that we want to be and just be where God needs us to be. We have to show up there. So even if you influence three, those three can influence three and those three can influence three and so on and so forth. But see, that's a part of our problem. We live out what people say when they say, if you don't post it, it didn't happen. We have this mindset about our work and about our assignments. If people don't see it, and a lot of people at that, 
or if people can't somehow respond to it in a way that validates us, then it's not acceptable. And it may as well not have even taken place in the first place. But remember what Jesus said when he said, for here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. He said, I sent you to reap for that which you didn't even labor. Others have labored and you've entered into their labor. So Jesus was telling the disciples after he told them that his food was to do the will of the father, that they would reap the benefits of bringing in a harvest that they didn't even labor for. Jesus and John the Baptist, the Old Testament writers and the prophets had all labored and worked hard to sow. But those that would follow after Jesus would end up bringing in those from their labor. But all in all, everyone would rejoice because of it. So this passage just underscores and brings us back to the point that just because a lot of people don't see it doesn't mean it didn't happen and it's not going to happen. If you planted a seed somewhere along the way, someone is going to bring in that harvest that you sowed. Even if it's just one from that particular field, that's one more soul added to the kingdom. That's one more person influenced to reach their full potential. That's one more aspiring writer. That's one more brokenhearted girl encouraged to hang on or whatever it is that you've inspired someone to inspire someone to inspire someone else to do. You will reap the benefit of the seed that you've sown. We want to find ourselves in a place that is not us being busy just to be busy for validation or for visibility or for publicity. We want to be busy because we're about our father's business and he validates us and he makes us credible and he makes Christ visible. So we want to make sure that we aren't too much like Martha and not enough like Mary. You remember when Jesus went to Bethany to Martha's house and Mary sat at Jesus's feet and she listened to him teach. And this was something then that was unheard of at the time that a woman would sit at the feet of a teacher, which was the position of a disciple learning about scripture. But that's a different topic altogether. Anyway, but she sat down and she listened to Jesus teach while Martha was busy serving. Then Martha says, Lord, do you not care? Mary ain't doing nothing. And Jesus basically told her, Martha, you're worried about the wrong thing. Mary has chosen the good portion that won't be taken from her. Our busyness can cause us to be running down tasks that don't last, which is why we can't ever reach a level of satisfaction that causes us to enjoy where we are and just embrace the moment. But when we do what we need to do for the Lord, even if that's just sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning of him, what we gain will stay with us forever. So our next mission will just be the next assignment for the season instead of the next task to complete in order to make up for the void the last task couldn't feel. Jesus told Martha that only one thing is necessary, which means that on the quest to serve, Martha wasn't seeking the very thing she needed. There were a lot of things to do, but only one thing that needed to be done. It's the same with us on our mission to be anxious, to do all the things. Only one thing is necessary. And that one thing is closeness and fellowship with the Lord, because this is what gives us our good portion. It gives us our good portion of wisdom our good portion of knowledge, our good portion of knowledge of Christ, of ideas, of dreams, of desires, of plans, or whatever it is God knows we need to live out our lives here in preparation for the hereafter. This is what helps us to overcome the need to be busy so that we aren't just busy, but we're also being beneficial. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's episode. I hope that it blesses and encourages you Listen, you know, I want you to connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Brittany Dotson Music. Also on Instagram at Traditional Millennial Podcast. You know, I would love to hear from you again. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today 
on the traditional millennial where conventional meets contemporary and faith fills the gap. Teach me your way.